You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident fanalist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore that app. Thank you all so much for joining me today. Got a lot of uh, pretty exciting things going on right now. Um, forgot to change that. That's all right. I, I keep editing it every morning because I'm too lazy to just fix it once and then saving it. So, you know, but that's okay. Anyways... Pretty exciting because I've got uh, several things coming up. First of all, let me look real quick. Um, the episode you're listening to right now is episode 898. So in just a matter of a couple days, we will officially cross episode 900. Big milestone. Super excited about it. Something that I do for fun, although I think I forgot recently. $9 for the 900th episode. I'm just saying, link to Venmo should be somewhere in the description. But it I, I, it was funny because I remember when I did $1 for episode 100, and I got a bunch of people to participate in it, and I thought, you know, obviously that doesn't really do much, but it's still kind of a fun thing. But I thought, man, when I get to episode 1,000, that's going to be 10 bucks. That's kind of cool. Um, and it felt like that was, it felt like at the time in the future would be an infinite period of time. Looking back, I feel like I did that like a week ago. It's amazing. I mean, I, I suppose when you do it every day, you're talking roughly, let's say, 350 episodes a year. So it, it adds up pretty quick, but still a pretty big milestone. And as I said, math may have been off by a day-ish, but roughly by 
the Super Bowl. Super Bowl Sunday will be episode 1000 if I don't take a day off. If that's wrong, by a day I'll either take a day off or do two episodes in a day because I'm not messing this up. It's also how I know the Packers are going to the Super Bowl because my episode 1000 is going to be Super Bowl Sunday. It's just, I mean, come on, what are the odds of that? Think, think, think how crazy it is that I started 900 episodes ago, three-ish years ago, and to think my episode 1000 will line up exactly with the next time the Packers see the Super Bowl. That's just nuts. It has to happen. There's no way, there's no way that that could line up so perfectly and they, like, get knocked out of the playoffs. That just, I mean, we've established God's a Packer fan. Why would he do something like that? Doesn't make sense to me. Packers are going to the Super Bowl. So anyways, that's the first thing that's excited. The other the exciting, the, the other thing, um, as much as I get wrapped up in massive goals and the fact that I'm not achieving these massive goals as quickly as I would like, um, looking at some of the stats for the podcast, we are very close to breaking a all-time month record. The highest um, listener count was January of last year when the Packers were making a run for the Super Bowl. So obviously the numbers are quite a bit higher. So January of 2020 was my best month. Unless there's any kind of a big dip. In other words, if I can just hit somewhat average numbers for the rest of the month, we should be able to break uh, that record. So I'm very excited about that. Please be sure to listen for the rest of the week. Be sure to share whatever you can. If you have any friends, family, whatever that's a Packer fan that does not either listen to podcasts or listen to my podcast, please let them know they should be doing so. Pretty excited about that. Again, just some some personal goals I'll throw out there. Speaking of support, thank you very much to Zach and Zach. I might have already said Zach. I'm pretty sure I did yesterday because I said Marshall and Zach. But uh, thank you very much to Zach Spies. Way to have an awesome last name. He didn't capitalize the S in spies, though. And since spies is kind of the cool word here, I wonder if I wonder if that's fake. Speaking of awesome last names that are fake, in college I had the fakest of the fake IDs in the history of the universe. It was expired by about four years, looked nothing like me. But the name, and by the way, it did work because nobody cared. Not that I encourage it. Don't do that. In fact, you shouldn't be going out anyways and doing things like that. You should be studying and grinding, and going out and being a billionaire so you can support this podcast, instead of being a loser. But the name on the ID was Zachary T. Guns, and I'm really upset that I no longer have that ID. It should be framed somewhere in my house, but it is gone forever. If Zachary T. Guns, uh, the original owner of that ID, listens to this podcast, please hit me up. I would like one of your expired driver's license, please. Thank you very much. All right. Um, Amidst all the uh, the hoopla and trying to convince people to not be sad and to be happy, it dawned on me how ridiculous it is that I have to follow that up by saying, hey, guess who's number one in the NFC right now? So I'm done trying to convince angry people. It's, it's, it's beyond absurd. Go find a different team to root for. Because if you can't be excited about the Packers being 5-1, and one, number one in the NFC, then there's literally no helping you. And I know that there are some people out there that that's the expe- I expect you to win every game and I expect you to win the Super Bowl or you are a failure. I mentioned one of my best friends was that way. He doesn't watch football anymore because it got to be too upsetting for him. Super Bowl or bust, perfection or bust. I'm just, I'm over it, man. I don't want to hear it anymore. There's nothing to complain about. And again, here's the thing. Find somebody else and tell me why they're better. 
other players, other teams, other GMs, other coaches. Go root for them. But you know what? You can't. You know why? Because they suck too. So just stop watching football and leave us alone because we're trying to enjoy this. It's absolutely ridiculous. Number one team in the NFC. We haven't faced anyone yet. Yeah? Well, we're not going to face anyone the rest of the year because everybody's trash. We got to face the Vikings who are giving up. We got to face the 49ers who don't have Bosa anymore. We got to face the Jaguars who are trash. We got to face the Colts who surprisingly are trash. We got to face the Bears who have not really proven very much. Maybe they're good. I don't know. Not too worried about it. We got to face the Eagles who are pathetic. We got to face the Lions who are garbage. We got to face the Panthers who are not good. Titans are pretty good and then the Bears again. I talked about it already, but there's maybe four games that we even possibly could lose. Possibly. If we win one of those four, we're 12 and 4. 11 and 5 is absolute worst case scenario if we lose to any competent team we face. And then guess what happens? We go to the playoffs and face a bunch of incompetent teams because there's not even that many good teams in the NFC. Did you know right now if the if the playoffs were today, the Philadelphia Eagles would be in the playoffs? <laughs> the Eagles, the Bears, the Bucks, the Seahawks. We already know we can beat the Seahawks. So the the full list um AFC and NFC. So in the NFC, Packers, Seahawks, Bucks, Eagles, Bears, Cardinals, Rams. In the AFC, the Steelers, Chiefs, Titans, Bills, Ravens, Browns, and Colts. How many of those teams are you really scared of? The uh the Steelers, I suppose. Again, I don't really I'm not all that impressed with the Steelers, although their defense is dominant and that's going to be tough for the Packers. The offense I just I don't think is that good. So matchup-wise, yes, I'm scared of the Steelers. The Chiefs, I mean, of course. I'm always scared of the Chiefs. Although, that's the kind of team, and matchup-wise, it's not that good. It's just a matter of the Chiefs and the Packers are similar, and I think the Chiefs might be better at that thing in which we're similar. The Titans, eh. The Bills, eh. They're looking a little fraudulent, if we're going to throw around that word. The Ravens, yeah, they're not the same team, but yeah, they're scary. Similar reason as the Chiefs, although their defense also could be a little bit scary. The Browns, never. The Colts, never. I shouldn't say never, but I mean, so far, it's just, it's not been what I expected. Other wildcard contenders in the AFC, the Dolphins, the Raiders, the Chargers, the Broncos, and the Patriots. The Broncos at 2-4 and four and the Patriots at 2-4 and four are wildcard contenders. Partially because almost every team is in the playoffs now, and partially because everybody's trash. In the NFC, the Packers would get a bye. You would have the Seahawks facing the Rams, the Bucks facing the Cardinals, and the Eagles facing the Bears. I'm not scared of the Seahawks. I'm just not. They're roughly the same team they were last year, except I think their defense is a lot worse. The Buccaneers already beat us. Of course they can, you know, of course they can beat the Packers. I don't think that what happened last time has to happen every time. That was a massive implosion of the Green Bay Packers. I think take another swing at it. Could have much better results. It's also possible the Bucs are like the 49ers for us this year. We see them again in the playoffs and get annihilated. I don't know. But I, again, I'm, I don't think that this is the most elite team in the history of the universe. The Eagles are an absolute joke. Not worried about the Bears. I think the Cardinals are somewhat fraudulent. A little bit scary because mobile quarterbacks are always scary, but I don't think he's a very good quarterback. I don't think their defense is very good at all. I know their offensive line isn't very good. So it's kind of like facing the Texans last year with a slightly worse quarterback. And then the Rams, I think, are fairly decently scary. The only reason that they're seventh is because the Seahawks are ahead of them, but you know, top wild card contenders, the Saints. We already beat them. 
The 49ers, we'll see. I don't know what's going to happen when we face the 49ers. Of course, I'm scared of them because it's the 49ers and we got embarrassed by them twice. The Lions, LOL, and the Panthers, who I, I respect the same way I respect the Raiders. They're a scrappy team without a roster. I respect the coaches. I respect the culture that they've instilled. I respect that they're hard-nosed and they fight to the death. The, the Raiders and the Panthers have no business with three wins, and they do. The Panthers especially. I mean, the, the, the Panthers this year are almost identical to the Raiders last year. One of the worst rosters in football, and they just win. I mean, they're three and four, but that's still really impressive. They should not be winning any games. I mean, Christian McCaffrey's out. Their quarterback, their, their quarterback is gone. Christian McCaffrey's gone. Luke Kuechly is gone. They're way worse than they were, and they're winning more. So, I mean, look, nobody is going to just waltz into the Super Bowl and win this thing easily, but, and I've said this several times, there's not a lot of teams that I'm really terrified of. And again, we got the Vikings coming up. Um, you know, you've got the Vikings who are seemingly throwing in the towel to the point where you've got the GM coming in front of the, the, the media saying, no, 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 we're not tanking. Which is a useless question to ask a GM because a GM would never say that they're throwing in the towel, ever. Of course his answer is going to be no. Again, the, the only version of tanking is when the GM starts cutting the team's legs out from under them and telling the rest of the team, you, you guys just keep after it, man. Keep winning. Keep fighting. What sense would it make for him to go in front of the media and be like, yeah, but don't tell the guys because I'm trying to like keep them motivated. I don't want the locker room issues, but yeah, we're officially done for the year. You can... Uh, you can you can just write down um, quietly and don't tell anybody. But yeah, and also everybody's staring at me through this camera lens. Make sure you don't tell my play. Come on, man. I mean, at some point you're asking a question just to ask a question, not to actually get any information. Nobody's ever gonna answer that question. Yeah, we're done, man. We're quit. We're we're tanking for Trevor, hundred percent. Which I mean, look, they they can. Vikings fans can get all mad if they want. Kirk Cousins is not the issue. In fact, the, the offense is the quartet, I guess, of Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, Dalvin Cook, and Kirk Cousins, who are the four highest graded players on this offense, is incredible. Justin Jefferson right now, you want to talk about a solid draft pick that contributed right away, highest graded wide receiver in football right now. By far the best wide receiver duo in football. When I said that you can't expect Justin Jefferson to come in, I mean, granted, I like Justin Jefferson, but I think he's limited. This is this is a quote from me from a long time ago. But as much as I like him, you can't expect him to come in and just be Stephon Diggs. He's better. I mean, so far, but I mean, it's just been unbelievable. Not perfect. It's been, you know, three bad games, three good games, but his good games have been 91.2, 92.6, and 93.8. Just, I mean, we're talking about dominant, 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 dominant games. And by the way, one of those dominant games was not against Green Bay. In fact, that was his worst game of the season. So if we see him at his best, yikes. And Adam Thielen is right there with him. Very similar. Three average games, three elite games. Kirk Cousins right now as a quarterback is ranked 10th or 9th overall, 10th as a, as a passer. One spot ahead of Lamar Jackson. So I, I, I mean, just... Tanking to get rid of Kirk Cousins is not going to fix your issue. You need to find a replacement for Kirk Cousins anyways, but that's not the thing that's going to take you to the next stratosphere. What you need is a better defense. You have two players on your entire defense that are grading out in the 70s. The highest graded player on their entire defense is a 73.1. That's Harrison Smith. 
they've got 11 guys that are in the 40s or lower. Two in the 70s. It's part of the problem with tanking in general. I mean, granted, you get an early first and an early second and an early third and an early fourth. So it's kind of nice all the way around. But there's not like one guy you're going to pick that's going to fix all this. You're going to pick an elite corner? What about the other corner spots? you got two other bad corners and some bad linebackers and a horrible bunch of defensive tackles and some terrible edge rushers and a disgusting offensive line. I mean, what is one corner going to do? I mean, even an entire draft class can't fix all the holes. And that's if all of them hit. Kind of just thinking out loud here, I guess. I don't know. I'm just... The Vikings are in a bad way, but they're also... I don't want Packer fans to think that this is going to be necessarily an easy match. This is this is the kind of game the Packers tend to play really well in. Give the Packers a dominant offense and a horrible defense and let it just be a shootout. Aaron Rodgers just loves that kind of stuff, right? If, if you want to challenge him to overcome something, we, we talk about his, his lack of a mental state, right? How he just kind of collapses when things don't go well. He collapses when the offense doesn't do well. He rises to the occasion when the defense doesn't do well. Right When the other team is running up the score and it's like, Aaron, we need you, man. Put this team on your back. We got to go win. He's like, oh, I got this. And he does. But, um, yeah, I mean, the the only good thing about the Vikings, I mean, Kirk Cousins is one of the only good things about the, and yeah, again, I know he has bad games, as does Justin Jefferson, as does Adam Thielen, as does Aaron Rodgers, as does, well, maybe not Devontae. I guess I'm not sure how we got here, but, but in order to kind of weave our way through this, why don't we just look at the upcoming upcoming team, since I want to try to build some structure into this, and I'm just kind of rambling right now. So that's that's the Vikings in a nutshell, and again, we'll look at it a little bit closer when it comes time to do that. But the Vikings are a team that have weapons. JJ, I know you hate that word, but I don't mean like offensive weapon, which is a viable term, just, you know, very rare to actually find one. But weapons in terms of Things that you assault a defense with. Your quarterback, your wide receivers, your running back. And technically your tight ends, but they don't have very good tight ends. Everything else is terrible, but they have maybe the best group of weapons of any team in the NFL. Easily the best wide receivers, one of the best running backs in the in the NFL, and a top 10 quarterback. That's the reality of the Vikings. So, very beatable, as we've seen, but you don't want to sleep on them. You show up and, and just decide, ah, eh, we, we can just kind of pop it into neutral and beat the Vikings, you're you're going to get toasted. Just out of spite. Just p- out of pure hatred coming from the Vikings, they're just going to rip you to shreds. 49ers right now are graded as the fourth highest or best team in football, one spot behind the Packers. They've got just a ridiculous amount of guys that are grading out well on offense. Two wide receivers, three running back, basically their entire offensive line, two tight ends. I'm sorry, four running backs. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's just that's that's the 49ers in a nutshell. The offensive line and every running back that comes behind that offensive line in this system is very good. Jamichael Hasty, Jarek McKinnon, Jeff Wilson, and Raheem Mostert are all in the 70s or above. But again, also the wide receiver. The biggest question mark is the fact that their quarterback is not in there. You want to talk about a team that's being held back by a quarterback, we're talking about the 49ers. And you could say this is very surprising because he was much better last year, and he was. But that was really the first year we got to see of Jimmy Garoppolo in full. And by the way, I mean, 77 overall grade last year, good, not great. The year before that, his grade was a 62, so slightly worse than this. Granted, small sample size, but everything was. The year before that, 80s. The year before that, 70s. The year before that, 60s. The year before that, 50s. It's a full gamut. I don't know if we really know who Jimmy Garoppolo is. So far this year, he's had two very good games, an average game, a bad game, and a horrible game. He's all over the map. 
And his horrible game came against Miami, so it's not a matter of, well, that was a really good defense. No. If anything, look at the games in which he plays well. His one elite game came against the Jets. The only real impressive one, and again, maybe his, he's finding his groove here, I don't know, um, this past week against New England. The defense obviously is, is desperately, it's hurting a lot by losing Bosa. Bosa is a massive piece for this defense. Right now, they don't have much of a pass rush. They've got talent across the board, but it's one of those things where you got one good guy and a bunch of bad guys, right? One good defensive lineman, everyone else is meh. One really good corner, the everyone else is kind of meh. One really good linebacker, and then meh. One really good safety, and meh. Which, in fairness to the 49ers, is similar to Tampa. It's part of the reason I didn't really buy it, because it's like you got one guy here, but then there's nothing over here. What are you going to do? Well, that's where you defer to the defensive coordinator, I guess. But, you know, like a lot of teams, the, the, the biggest question is what is what are the 49ers right now? Because losing to the Cardinals, the Eagles, and the Dolphins is horrifyingly embarrassing. But then to turn around and beat the Rams and then beat the Patriots, it makes you wonder. Jacksonville is going to be a lot of fun um, because their defense is a joke. Probably the worst linebacker duo in football. Zero pass rush, no safeties. They've got one decent corner in Sidney Jones, um, the Eagle, who just wasn't doing anything. They shipped him off to the Jacksonville Jaguars, and suddenly he's a semi-decent football player. Again, as I've said about the Jaguars, they've got decent talent. I mean, the offensive line is fairly decent. LaVisca Chenault and DJ Chark are decent. Minshew is okay. The running back is okay. But similar to what I said about the Packers and Chiefs, even more so about the Packers and Jaguars. The Jaguars' offense is not going to be able to keep pace with the Packers' offense annihilating this pathetic defense. The Colts are, I mean, they, they, they still scare me because of the way their roster is constructed. And it's also hard to know what it is that they do really well. I mean, at their best, the offense is scoring 36 points, 31 points. At their best, the defense is allowing 11, 7, 11 However, the offense also put up 19 against Chicago, 20 against Jacksonville. Again, terrible defense. The defense also, the last two weeks, allowed 32 to the Browns and 27 to the Bengals. If they can ever get those two things in sync, can be a good football team. As of right now, this is a team that's beaten the Vikings, the Jets, the Bears, and the Bengals. They've lost to the Browns and the Jaguars. Yikes. The biggest thing with the Bears right now is Khalil Mack. I mean, listen... This is just from a PFF standpoint. Feel free to disagree. Go watch Bears games. You tell me. PFF does not like their safeties at all. PFF does not like their corners. PFF thinks their their linebackers are pathetic. To put this into context, Will Fuller, 35th. The other corner, 78th and 81st. The linebackers, 32nd out of 81 and 69th out of 81. The safeties, 23rd, and that's Tashawn Gibson. Jackson, who everybody says is elite, is 44th. The defensive line, Quinn, 29th out of 111 edge rushers. Khalil Mack, second, because he's a freak. The defensive line, Akeem Hicks, 95th out of 119. And then Nichols, 39th out of 119. I don't know how to reconcile bad grades and a good defense, because obviously the defense is doing good things, and I have a hard time believing it's all Khalil Mack. The only question, I guess you could say, is what offenses have they faced? Now, the, the biggest... Ah, man... Nobody has blown the Bears out, that's for sure. 26 points is the highest anyone scored, but Atlanta did score 26. That's a good offense. The Rams scored 24. The Lions scored 23. The Giants are terrible. The Colts, you know, I mean, they won. They only scored 19, but, you know, again, Tampa got to 19. The Panthers got to 16. I don't know. I, I, it's, listen, 
The Bears do a good job. I, I can't reconcile it with the grades, but the Bears do a good job of preventing points. So I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I can't reconcile it. I don't know. All I can say is if you have Game Pass, go watch the Bears defense and figure it out for yourself. PFF does have a Discord where they ask for Q&As, and every time I ask a question about can you how can you reconcile these two things, they never answer my question. But I'll keep being persistent, and I'll throw this one in there. However, setting that aside, one thing that isn't really debatable is that the Bears' offense is their biggest issue. The offensive line has devolved, dissolved into nothing. They're getting very little from their tight end. Their wide receivers are worse than expected because the one guy that everyone keeps expecting to break out is Anthony Miller has regressed quite a bit. Uh, um, Darnell Mooney has been impressive in some ways. Um, he kind of flashed early on, I think, as a special teamer. He's done some stuff, but you kind of stopped hearing his name after about the first two weeks. And then you got Allen Robinson. So do I expect to beat the Bears? I just, I do. And I, I completely understand the Packers' struggle with stiff defenses. And if they dial up the right scheme and Khalil Mack is just haunting Aaron Rodgers, you could see how this could devolve. I just, I don't know, man. I don't see losing to this team. I understand the Packers are probably going to struggle to score points, but I just, I think they're going to outpace the Bears. This is the seventh best defense based on points, right? They do a good job. They're not number one. I don't believe still that this is anything close to what 2018 was. Again, remember, PFF loved them in 2018, so there was no conflict of interest there. And the only thing I can think is that there's somewhat, I don't want to say fraudulent, because it's clearly working. Tampa Bay has a good offense. They're third right now in points, and they scored, what, 19, I said, 20? I don't remember. But this is the 27th uh, ranked offense in terms of points, 29th in yard. It's just, it's terrible. And I don't see it keeping pace with the Packers. I just, I don't see that being a viable thing. Again, very similar to the Rams. The Rams' offense was able to put up points. Maybe not elite 35-ish, whatever that they would like, but they put up 24. You can score against this defense, and the offense put up 10. The only way the Bears win, legitimately, and this is the same thing that happened in 2018 and pretty much every year the last several years, they win when the offense can, I mean, this is true of everybody, but it's up to the defense to keep the points low enough that the offense can get over the really low bar. Keep the other team from scoring more than about 14, and we can probably get over that hump. Because of my horrible time management, congratulations, this is a no-ad Wednesday. There's just no way I can throw an ad in here. i got to get going. But let's just continue on here. The Eagles, obviously, you know they're a complete mess. Um, I mean, it's a similar situation. They've got guys along the defensive line that can cause problems. I I think a lot of this comes down to a, a hidden quantity. And this is true from the Raiders to the Panthers, to the Packers when we see really good Packers versus really bad Packers, the Mike McCarthy Packers versus the Matt LaFleur Packers, when we talk about the Eagles who have guys like Graham and Cox along the defensive line who are very, very good, but you shouldn't be scared of them compared to the Bears who have some guys that are maybe struggling, but you should be scared of them. The hidden quantity is, is granted there's the defensive coordinator and scheme and all that, but it's, it's a mentality. I don't know how you grade that or quantify that, but I think the Packers' defense this past week was a good um, a good illustration of that. Even when guys weren't that good, that you could just feel the difference. They played faster. They played extremely physical. They looked like an NFL defense. Whereas before, they just they it the, the energy emanating from the defense was a bunch of guys who were just right slow, didn't really care. They were reactionary. They waited for the play to develop. They waited you know, for the pass to be thrown, and then they chased them from behind. These guys were out smoking people. They were swarming. 
and again, the, the grades differed. Um, I, I think uh, Barnes is a great example of that. He graded out poorly, but everybody loves him. Why? Because he plays physical football. And if you again, if you look at his tackling grade, it's through the roof. He shows up, he wraps up, he brings people down. Now, if you watch that full play, did he get out in front of the blocker? Should he have made the play in the backfield, but instead caught up from a guy and tackled him? And we all look at it and say, he's the hero that saved the play, when in reality, he's the one that should have prevented the play and didn't. I, I, that's the thing. I don't know. But this is an Eagles team that has devolved into... The, the fact of the matter is, the Eagles have a better roster than the Panthers do. I'm much more scared of the Panthers than the Eagles. Because the Eagles have given up. As a team, they've given up. Same with the Dallas Cowboys. There's some stuff to be scared of here. The wide receivers and the running back alone. But when you start hearing about guys griping behind the coach's back, they already don't like McCarthy and all this stuff is going wrong and they lost their quarterback and they know the season's over. Similar to the Vikings, in fact. The the biggest comfort I have with the Vikings is the fact that the team has seemingly given up. Maybe not Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen or Cousins or, you know, whatever. But in general, it's it's demoralizing. And so the biggest thing with the Eagles, as much as I could happily go through the grades and Travis Fulgham's having a great year, Richard Rodgers is off to his best year. I mean, there's some stuff that's working here. Carson Wentz is horrific, probably because he's, I think, the most sacked or the second most sacked quarterback in football, which, again, is hard to reconcile when you have a guy like Travis Kelsey, when you have a guy like Lane Johnson. Granted, they've got some issues in other areas, but pretty staggering. But again, it is what it is. The guy's constantly sacked. He's under pressure 24-7, and as a result, he's playing terribly. And and that's the other thing in football. It's... How many times have you seen really good drives that just get blown up? Right, It's one thing to play really, really well 90% of the time, but that one bad play that caused a pick ruined everything. Not just the drive, it might have ruined the whole game. That also comes down to your mentality. Play strong physically and mentally for four quarters. If you can do that, you got a real good chance. I think that's a big part of the reason the Patriots were so good for so long. It's not because they had the best rosters in football. They almost never did. They just played mistake-free fundamental football. That's why when the Packers are on, they're just on. But man, when they're just not, it's like they're just not in it mentally. We already know Aaron Rodgers is a freak and Devontae's a freak and Aaron Jones is a freak and our offensive line are freaks and we got freaks all over the defense and freak, 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 freak. But when they're not playing well, when they're not in it, when they're giving up, when things aren't going their way, they, they shut the switch off in their brain and it's game over. That's what's happened with the Eagles. On top of, yes, they've got some terrible corners and safeties and linebackers and a couple of bad players along the defensive line and offensive line. And outside of Fulgham, they don't have any wide receivers. So it's ugly, but it, it's, it's beyond the grades, I guess is what I'm saying for the Eagles. It really just comes down to this team has mentally checked out. The Detroit Lions, again, if we go over the grades, yeah, there's some stuff to be worried about. Um, similar to what we faced the first time around, right? The, the offense is scary. The defense is kind of a joke. They did go out and sign Everson Griffin. That doesn't mean anything. This is a coach who's trying desperately to not get fired. Um, so he's adding anything he possibly can. The reason why they're buyers right now, despite the fact that the season is over again, is because they got a GM and a head coach trying desperately not to get fired. It's not a rational or intelligent thing to do. It was rational intelligent for the Cowboys, which gives me, I, I, I guess, I was going to say it gives me some confidence that the coach is maybe not going anywhere because they want to build long term, but this obviously wasn't Coach McCarthy's decision. It was above him. But again, there's, there's intelligent decisions, and then there's desperate decisions. The reason Everson Griffin even got moved, and, and people think, well, that was a steal. It was not a steal. You lost a pick for nothing. 
Everson Griffin has been absolutely horrible. There really are no steals in, in free agency and in trades and whatnot. We always think that something's a steal. It's not. When somebody gets traded for less than you thought, we need to get into the habit of saying, my brain was wrong. It's not that th- you know 30 other teams really just got screwed. As if Everson Griffin, there were other teams out there willing to give like a third for him, and somehow Detroit got him for a sixth. That's physically impossible. Stop assuming your brain knows everything and the rest of the world must be crazy, and start assuming your brain was just wrong. 30 other teams decided, I'm not even giving up a sixth, only the Lions decided to give up a conditional sixth, and Dallas knew that that was basically as good as they're going to get, and they pulled the trigger. And the only reason Detroit did it is, again, because they're desperate. Which is unfortunate, because we know that, at least from the coaching and GM standpoint, this is not a team that's going to quit, because their job's on the line. They're going to add as much talent as they can, they're going to fight to the death to win every game that they can. The issue with Detroit is that they're just not good, and and the coaching in particular is a big hindrance to the team. So, again, you could look at Kenny Galladay, sixth best wide receiver in football. Very, very good. You got Decker, you got Ragnall, who's a very good center and a a good tackle here. Uh, TJ Hawkinson's having a good year. Stafford is decent enough. Trey Flowers having a great year. You never heard about that. Collins, who they got from the Patriots, is doing great. Um, shockingly, Jared Davis is having a good year. I don't know where that came from. Even more shocking is that it's in coverage that he's doing so well. I, that has to fall off. There's no way that stays. So they've got pieces, but really it's it's the same thing. It's the same reason why I keep saying Detroit could be better than you think, and then they're not, and I'm wrong every year. Because, again, it's beyond the grades when it comes to the Lions. Not to say that they'll never be good, but until they figure something out more fundamentally, it's just... It's a team that can beat you just like any team can beat you, but they're probably not going to beat you. Any given Sunday, right? But outside of that, we're going to beat the Lions. And Carolina is the exact opposite. This is a team that is really bad. Teddy Bridgewater is average at best. He's 25th out of 37 quarterback. The wide receiver trio is is okay. It's, it's one of those situations where you got kind of like a bunch of number twos which is somewhat unfair to Robbie Anderson. I suppose he's a, he's a legit number one, but it's just kind of, you know, there are no top 10 wide receivers on this group. There's just a bunch of good receivers. Debo Samuel is a 69.5. Moore is a 72. Anderson is a 79.9, so he's an 80-ish. So there's a, there's a bunch of good not greats and a bunch of really bads, and then the defense is just kind of a joke. Brian Burns is having a pretty solid year, um, 11.7%. He's getting to the quarterback, so pretty decent. Otherwise, meh. So again, this is the exact opposite. It's a team with no talent, but they're scrappy, man. And similar to the Raiders, if they keep building this, it's going to be a scary team. Tennessee's got a real good record, and I think a lot of it has to do similar to the Vikings. It's actually extremely similar to the Vikings from what I can see. It's all about the weapons. Tannehill is off to a fantastic start again. Um, I mentioned how, like Russell Wilson, he's one of the few guys that's really good under pressure. Uh, Derrick Henry is just a freak. They've got Janu Smith, who I, I, when I was doing mock drafts before, I thought maybe a tight end would be kind of cool for this style of offense, but let's see what Janu Smith can do. He's rated third right now of all tight ends. Um, some fantastic wide receivers. It's just, there's talent here that nobody talks about. It's like the Titans are winning and nobody knows why. It's because they have a top 10 quarterback, a top 10 running back, a top 10 wide receiver, a top five tight end. The number two wide receiver is ranked 21st, so a really good Basically a low-end number one wide receiver. That's Corey Davis, by the way. Guy that I was hoping we would possibly trade for. The issue, though, with the Titans is, number one, their defense is pathetic. 
outside of Isaiah Simmons, who I was a huge fan of. I was hoping we would get him, but we didn't. There's not much here. The offensive line is surprisingly having a really rough time of it. And so it's a 5-1 and one team. Certainly have to give them uh, their due respect, I guess. But it is also worth noting, um, they beat the Denver Broncos by 2. They beat the Jacksonville Jaguars by 3. They beat the Vikings by 1. But they came out of their bye and absolutely annihilated the Bills, blew out the Texans, and then lost to the Steelers, which is obviously understandable. So again, this, this all comes down to the weapons. They are 4th in points scored, 5th in yards. So it's very similar, again, to what I've said about teams that I'm not super afraid of matching up against. Of course, any good team is scary, and this is a good team. And, well, how are you going to stop Derrick Henry? I don't know, man. Same way we beat every team that's got a really good whatever. How are you going to stop Alvin Kamara? How are you going to stop Julio Jones? How are you going to da 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 Don't know, but we will. The point is, look, the beginning of our schedule is a lot scarier than the end of our schedule. And as much as you can say, well, I mean, we could conceivably lose to the Vikings. We can conceivably lose to the Colts and the 49ers and the Bears and the Panthers and the Titans. I mean, these are all conceivable. Of course it is. It was absolutely conceivable that we lost to the Texans and the Falcons and the Saints and the Lions and the Vikings, but we didn't. The only team we lost to was the Buccaneers so far, and that was largely due, all credit due to the Buccaneers. They played a fantastic game that was largely due to the Packers playing like garbage. On top of that, this is while injuries have been terrible. I mean, losing Bakhtiari and Adams and Aaron Jones and Lazard and Kenny Clark, I mean, the only elite piece on this team that we haven't lost so far is Jair and and Aaron Rodgers. That's basically it. That's me knocking on wood, by the way. So if anything happens, you cannot blame me. I knocked on wood. Don't even start with me. It's the NFL, man. Every one of these teams has talent somewhere, but the Packers have, should have earned our trust by now. They're a very good football team. There are other good teams, but we got to start expecting the Packers to also be a good team. So anyways, way over time. You folks have yourselves a fantastic Wednesday. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.